Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans 12.2. We'll get to the reference of the reading a little later. Romans 12.2, there's a word here that I'd like to just point out to you. And remember, we're looking at knowing God through this year in different ways. And we've looked at all the doctrines, knowing God through different, particularly salvation and sanctification. This morning, we're looking at knowing God through biblical, biblical transformation. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we have the word that's given for us. Paul gave this, these well-known verses. He put this word in the midst of them. He said in verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <coughs> Here in the middle of that second verse, we have the word transformed. It, it is interpreted in other verses as transfigured in the scriptures or changed. It's the word metamorpho. Have you heard that word before? Metamorpho. Metamorphous? What does it have to do with? Grubs and butterflies. <laughs> but that's, that's literally, really, what happens? <laughs> From a grub to a butterfly. Don't call me a grub. Well, the Bible calls us worms. <laughs> but... <clears throat> This word is used, and I think it's important to, to notice that because we're looking at knowing God through transformation. We get to get know him more and more, and we are transformed into his image, into his likeness. A younger Christian won't have that. An older Christian should have that, but doesn't necessarily have that. We live in a world that's given to change, and most times it's not for the better. And we can see that in our society today, especially when it comes to morality. Most believers resist this change of the world. Others just go along and conform to it. Proverbs says in chapter 24 and verse 21, My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. They want to change for the sake of change. Now, I'm not against change, but I'm against change of certain types. You think of the world today. It's changing in its morality. We were given the option or the opportunity to vote, weren't we, not long ago, in a referendum to change something. And it changed for the worse. It's not good. <laughs> we see this in our day. And I never read in the Bible where the government's to dictate or the public is to dictate morality. The Bible tells us what is right and wrong. The Bible tells us what is acceptable and not acceptable. You see, our world has said there is no God. So we don't have to go by his standards anymore. Let's make our own. And that's why we have votes for morality. And it's just not right to do that. 
God has set the standard, and uh, he, He's given us the, the manual for living. This is the guidebook to put us back together <laughs> and to be what we ought to be and to be transformed into His image. Let's go by the book, what God has said. Um, <clears throat> and Christians, we might be in trouble. <laughs> They're trying to pass a bill and trying to get it together today to exempt religious organisations from vilification if we preach against what the government has decided is right and wrong. I pray that um, they get it right the first time round and we are exempt from that because this is going out publicly. Anyone can listen to it. And and those that don't like what we say could be on our case. And that was the fear way back when this vote was taken. But change in music from classical orchestras to wild-eyed, drug-induced jungle music. And some of us are old enough to remember when that wasn't around at all. Uh, Who was around when all this music we have today in the world, I'm talking of, it should only be in the world. (laughs) You you could listen to radio, you could listen to a lot of things, and it wasn't that sort of music. But today it's nothing but that sort of music, even in the church. Even in the church. And as I've said before, when the Beatles were around, I was alive then, and they were introducing their wild-eyed music. We thought it was really wild-eyed. It's it's conservative with what's going on today. All the churches said it's wrong. Unbelievers said it's wrong. (laughs) It's just not music at all. But it's right in the churches today. Who's changed? The world. The world has changed. Doctrine. Change in doctrine. There's one issue in doctrine that, as our brother, brother Walker said to me, he said that all the churches in Aubrey, Wodonga and surrounding areas wouldn't have a part of. Now we're the only church that won't have a part of that doctrine. What's changed? Did, did, did God change his mind? Did the Bible change? No. Psalm 11 and verse 3. Psalm 11 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You know what we can do? Go back to the Bible and just stay stay there, stand there. And uh, having done all, as Paul said to the Ephesians, stand. Don't buckle under the pressure of public opinion. Stand for God's word and his truth. Proverbs 22, 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Now, there's a landmarkism that's around that I don't believe in. It's amongst independent Baptists and we don't have to do with those churches, landmark churches. In fact, one of my Sunday school teachers, when I was only a teenager, he's a head honcho of that and he he hails from Canada now. And I've still got some of his Sunday school lessons he gave us. I can't detect it in that, but landmarkism. But here, that reference is referring to remove not the ancient landmarks. When you put a fence up, if you've had a put a fence up or, or clear a cleared lot of fence lines for the farmers just clean it out about four meters wide cut it level so it's easy to put the fence up but one thing you don't knock out is the survey peg especially on the corner posts which marks out your property and they're they're usually by the time you get to them they're years old and they've got a bit of white paint on but they've had a higher peg it's been knocked out by the animals then you find a peg in the ground it's down low that's the one 
That's where your corner post goes. This is what this is referring to in Proverbs 22:28. Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. In those days, they didn't have fence posts. They had piles of rocks. This is where my place starts and yours finishes. And the boundary. Today, the boundaries have been moved, haven't they? The boundaries in Christian things have been moved all over the place. And people, you know, what's true? Have you heard it? How do you know what you believe is right? You've heard that when you talk to unbelievers about the word of God. And all Christian things. How do you know you're right and they're wrong? (laughs) How do you know the word of God? And then it comes back, well, that's the way you interpret it. (laughs) And so you have to come back to what? method do you interpret the bible by and that is very important today because you'll come to the wrong conclusion you can come to all sorts of things was it um somebody said you know how how do you read your bible just open it up and and read a verse and no no you don't now the one about judas how does it go Uh, come on no go now there's something else before yeah (laughs) He's forgotten too. <laughs> hey, we're all grown old, drunk. Come on. Yeah. 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 And then he opened it again to another verse, and it says, Go, "What thou doest, do quickly." <laughs> oh, that's right. Go and do likewise. What thou doest. See, that's in misinterpreting the Bible, isn't it? You can just um, pick it out, you know, cherry pick Bible verses and you're in big trouble. We've got to get that one down and I'll give it to you next week, Doug. That's your responsibility. (laughs) And get that one sorted out. But we can be hoodwinked, even if we read the Bible out of its context in which it was written and to whom it was written and when it was written and, and the methods of interpretation. Change change everywhere is changing you know you you talk to older people and what do they what do they say the good old days <laughs> and the young people go here they go again <laughs> and as someone said here from the pulpit recently you will do it too when you get old <laughs> you know back in the 50s or some can go back into the 40s and think of the good old days when a lot of these things weren't around And it was a better time. I was trying to pay a bill for a grave thing yesterday. Got onto my computer. Pay it by the computer. I'll pay it by the the computer. Half an hour later, I was pulling my hair out. Because you had to go do this, and then you had to do this, and then you had to do that. And then it got to the last thing, give a verification number, sent to a phone. I said, whose phone number is that? (laughs) So I didn't have a number to punch in, couldn't pay the bill. So I rung up and said, it's being paid by cheque and that's it. <laughs> Sorry. Who, who was in the pulpit here last week telling me I need to get with it? Pastor Bernie Hong. Because <laughs> he's computer literate more than I. But, you know, the good old days, I could have had 10 cheques, 20 cheques written out in the time I messed around on that computer to open it up and cl- get it going. 
change. Some's for good. Some can use computers, computers and make it work and it works well for them. God bless you. <laughs> use it. <laughs> Your ability. Help me. <clears throat> then I have to give you all the passwords. God is in the business of change, you know. There is some good change and there's some very bad change. <laughs> but God is in the business of change. He is transforming people into his image so that we can walk and live with him for eternity in heaven. He's not going to have people there that are not conformed, <laughs> that are not transformed into the image of his son. This sort of change is metamorphism. It's good. It's godly. It's going in the opposite direction to worldly change. The Bible has much to say about this sort of change. Are you participating with God as a Christian in this change? Let's pray before we look at the three points we look at today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Our Lord, let us be willing to change, to change into the image of Christ, to be transformed, to be like the Lord, that other people may see and want to know about what's happened to you. And we can point to the Lord Jesus and say, he is the one that is changing me through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And I pray that I might be like him. Lord, let us be able to give that answer to every man that asks us that reason for which we have been changed. Lord, bless the word as it goes forth today here and in other places where your servants are faithfully preaching the word of God. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you open your bulletin there, we have six points. We're only looking at three at the most this morning. We are to be mutable. We know what a mutant is, don't we? A mutant is a deformed thing. Mutation is the evolutionary theory that they say made us what we are. So what they're telling you, you're a mutant. <sighs> really? Because they say through these mutations and the, over billions of years, we've become what we are from the slime we were. Well... They say we were. Now, you, you, next time you have an evolutionist tell you that, you, you say, oh, I am not a mutant. <laughs> because that's what they're declaring, really. When all mutations are a loss of information, not a gain. How can it get better and better as it evolves? It only can go downhill. And, this, and they do say that if the... Humanity kept going, there'll be so, so many genetic mistakes in humanity that it would cease to, we would cease to exist. And I think they've got that right too, because the diseases that are around now and the mutations from gathering of the, the thousands, I was going to say millions of years, thousands of years from creation are building. And we inherit them from our parents, and, <clears throat> but we are not gaining information, it's losing it. Uh, when Adam was created in the image of God, God gave him the task of naming all the animals. And what one of us could do that? By describing them in a name and giving them that, that 
them that name. Adam did that. He was instructed to do it. <clears throat> Mutable means alteration, change. Instability, susceptible to change. When the Christian well, the Christian is to be mutable. We are to change in certain areas. Let's turn to Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. <clears throat> and then a few other verses from this chapter. To him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Right vegan there. <laughs> anyway, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. So God has just said in his word, you ladder eat meat, that's okay. If you don't just eat herbs. And let not him who eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, let, yea he shall be holden up for God is able to make him stand. God's the judge on the matter. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind is eating or not eating. Now here we have in this chapter the weaker brother and the stronger brother. That means change has happened, doesn't it? That means there's been a transformation from being a weak to being a strong Christian. There it's, it, it, that's mutability. We can change, and we can change for the better. In verse 10, we read of the same chapter, By what dost thou judge? Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before ju the judgment seat of Christ, whether weak or strong. We will stand before the Lord, give account to him. Verse 13, Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. If your brother's weak, don't offend him deliberately. If you know that he's weak in an area, don't go putting a tripping block before him by your liberty to do certain things. And that can be in a whole swathe of different things that we do in our life. <clears throat> and in verse 15 of the same chapter, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat... Now walkest thou not charitably, charitably, destroy him not with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not the, your good be evil spoken of. And verse 21, and you can read all the rest later. It is good neither to, to eat flesh or to drink wine nor anything by which thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. In that day, that was the issue. Today, there are different issues. But don't do it. If you know you're going to offend somebody, we need to change. <laughs> I've heard stronger Christians or who thought they were stronger saying of the weaker Christian that's restricting them from doing certain things so they didn't offend them. Why doesn't he just grow up <laughs> and become a stronger one so that I can do what I want <laughs> in my liberty? Well, be gracious. God is very gracious to us. <laughs> Be merciful to these people. Let's turn to Romans chapter 9 and verse 20 and 21. We read there, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? 
Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honour and another unto dishonour? Here's the potter's wheel. And Brother Gerald, remember taking the potter's wheel to the Awana clubs in the hall back in times past and taking the potter's wheel in there and having all the children, as I've told you before, and he'd make a vessel and he'd smash it up. Oh, why'd you do that, Mr. Brunken? God is in the business of forming us while we're still pliable into his image, just like the potter's wheel. Are you willing to let him change? Because if you're not, he can easy mar it and start again. And he keeps on doing that until we are conformed, pressing, pushing, wetting, whatever you need to do to get that, that bit of clay into his image. And folks, we're all in the business of being mutable or being changed. Are you letting the potter? <laughs> the Lord is the potter, and he can apply as little pressure or as much pressure as he wants, little or great. The more proud and stubborn we are as people the the harder he pushes and the harder he has to squeeze to conform that clay into what he wants it to be are you willing to be changed are you mutable the bible talks about being mutable be willing to have the pressure applied and as little pressure that god has to put on to conform us just a word from him we ought to be willing to transform to change that this transformation, secondly, <clears throat> happens through, through spiritual metabolism. This is the second word there that you need to write down if you're writing it. Metabolism. <clears throat> Some of us only have to look at carbs, sugar, and what happens? We put on weight. <laughs> Others can have five spoons of sugar in a cup of tea Pastor Hong I said to him after he did that I said how come you're not fat <laughs> he said I metabolise it <laughs> or something like that others can eat bread and, and uh, what else is carbs um, pasta and, 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 and spuds or potatoes and things like that and, and that doesn't seem to affect them but others uh, <laughs> you don't go there <laughs> Because it doesn't help your shape. Um, <clears throat> we have to metabolise it. You know, I, I, I'm sort of. The, I knew I was. I was real skinny when I was young. <laughs> I know that from the pictures. And I had a metabolism that burnt it quick. And I only had to eat a little bit to have plenty of energy to to do things. It gets older. You get older. It doesn't happen as good. <laughs> but folks. We are all in the business of metabolizing, or our spiritual metabolism is digesting spiritual food to make us function and have energy for our Christian lives. We process spiritual food, and this is spiritual metabolism. Let's look at some of the verses, and this is where our reading from this morning comes in. And this transformation into the Christ-likeness comes from digesting spiritual food how many had breakfast this morning well maybe i should ask who didn't have breakfast this morning okay a few (laughs) 
There may be fasting and praying, I don't know. <laughs> but <clears throat> it, how long can you go out without eating? When will you, you know, go out of, die if you don't eat? About 50 days. 50 days and you had it? I was saying, I'm going to say 40, but we'll go 50. And you, how many of us read our Bible today? How many of us read our Bible this week? You see, you're not going to metabolize spiritual truth if you don't eat it, if you don't take the food. And God can only change you if you're eating the spiritual food. Just like we eat physical, we've got to eat it to stay alive. You've got to have spiritual food to stay spiritually alive. This is what Peter said here in 1 Peter. We're going to chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. <clears throat> Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye might what? Grow by it. You metabolize that and you grow as you eat the word. And what Jeremiah was told, eat it. In your mouth it will be like honey, in your stomach it will be bitter. And that was because the, the bitterness of the, the, the prophecies that were going to come upon Israel. And to, to Jeremiah, yeah, this needs to happen. I'm going to eat this. It's like honey. This needs to happen in our society. It's going bad. But then when he swallowed it, boy, this is going to be tough for Israel in, in, in the application of this prophecy. But as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow by it. How do we change into his image? By getting into the milk of the word. If so be that... Ye have tasted that the Lord is good, he's gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Have you partaken of the Lord today? Did you partake of the Lord during the week in the busyness of, of your schedules? I pray that you did, because you're not going to grow, you're not going to be made like in, in his image if we don't. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And there's another reference that speaks along the same lines in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 to 4, where we read, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. He's, he's saying, I could only really talk to you like you're a non-Christian, a carnal person, even as babes in Christ. And Peter talked about being babes. They desire the milk of the word. I fed you, Paul said, with milk and not with meat, for to this time you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. What a shame to the Corinthians that this apostle had to say to them, you're just milk-drinking babies. You need to grow up and to be able to eat some meat, some steak, some meaty bits of the word of God and their metabolism or their hadn't developed to that point they hadn't been exercised in it for ye are yet carnal there was fightings amongst them as he said their ending strife divisions are ye not carnal you're acting like non-Christians and walk as men for while one saith I'm of Paul another of Apollos are ye not carnal so Paul had to feed these with milk when they should have been having some meat. What about us as Christians? Let's go to another reference that talks about this same thing. Three areas, three New Testament references that clearly speak. And yea, we'll consider four. That's in Hebrews 5 this time. 
and verse 11. Hebrews 5 verse 11 tells us down to verse 14. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. It's not that the writer of Hebrews had a problem with putting this forward. It's they had a problem in hearing it. Seeing ye dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And have become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even by those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. So strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Are you able to eat the meat? Would <laughs> when you let your little one out when they're starting to crawl in the garden, what will they eat? Anything. Dirt, rocks, worms. They'll try anything. But when they become spiritual, I mean physically discerned, what will they eat? Well, what won't they eat? They won't eat a worm. Only Marcus Muller eats worms. <laughs> they had a competition in youth group here. And he got real crook. Don't eat worms. That's only for babies. <laughs> but, <clears throat> Colleen, <laughs> I think you, you might have been in on that. <laughs> if, you, if you want to be a leader at camp, be careful. They'll give you some dares. Don't dare to do it. <laughs> we'll leave that one. <laughs> strong, strong meat belongeth to those that are of full age. Have your senses exercised. Babies eat things that they shouldn't eat. Baby Christians eat and try to digest things they shouldn't eat. They get into doctrines and areas where they shouldn't be. But they need to grow up like a baby does to have some solids. Remember when you started feeding your baby solids? Sometimes, well, we think they only can have meat and then... They're, they're screaming all night now. Stay awake and what's wrong? Give them some meat. I mean, give them some <laughs> solids, as we say. And then they're satisfied. And as Christians, if a, if a person is not satisfied in the church they're at, it's because probably they're not giving them some meat, something. Feed the sheep, the Lord told Peter, feed the sheep. Hey, it's, this is very practical and down to earth, isn't it? We understand what is being said in the scripture. How is your spiritual metabolism? <laughs> is it able to get into those things that are important? They only digested light food. as it, you know, the, reader, the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. That's light food. <laughs> now, that's pretty deep to some, but light food. Let us go on. Unto perfection. Let's change. Let's be transformed. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. That's light food. That's milk of the word. Of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead. That's light food. Some of us haven't grasped that yet. And we're still on the milk and eternal judgment. And then he goes on to talk about some more deeper things there in, in the book of Hebrews. Let's go to one, another one that speaks of this. And this is in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 2 Peter 3, 15, where we read this. 
an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, and as Peter writing this, beloved Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, the epistles of Paul to the church that we've got in our Bible today, speaking in them of things in which some things are what? Hard to be understood. Now I have a tr- trouble eating steak. It's only because of my teeth. <laughs> um, if you have your real teeth, keep them if you can. <laughs> because you can only put half, you can put 400, is it 400 pounds per square inch or something? If you've got a good bite. In your, that's what the dentist told me 40 years ago. <laughs> but when you pull them all out and you have false ones, you're going to need less than half the pressure on. <clears throat> Unless you're like the man that had steel teeth made and he sharpened them every time you need to eat the steak. I will chew it. But this epistle, speaking of things hard to be understood, hard to chew, hard to digest, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do other scriptures. You know, I want to drink milk. I want to eat soft things. The Bible's telling us to get into the hard things of God. Digest the meaty parts of it. Because those that don't are like unstable, they rest, they put aside. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to read that. I just want to give me something light. And that's Christianity today. Give me light food. Don't give me meaty stuff because I can't, I can't stand that. It's too hard. We need to get into it because God is transforming us into his image to be made like him. Don't be baby Christians. Don't just eat anything that, and take it in that comes along and the soft food. Get into the scriptures. And uh, the, the stronger the Christians are in a given church, the stronger that church's testimony is in the community. And the more that God can work through that group of believers to get the message out of the truth of God's word. Get into the hard things of God. And if you want to know what Paul was talking, I mean, Peter was talking about when he said that, read verse 10 to 14. That's what he was talking about, the hard things that Paul talked about. Hard to be understood, which we can carnal Christians rest, put aside, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Let's, Let's look at our last and third point for this morning. This transformation is mandatory this is not an option (laughs) because God has said it is mandatory in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 change through transformation into his image Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says for we are his workmanship, like the clay and the, the potter, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. <laughs> We're in his vice sometimes. Sometimes he puts us on the lathe and turns us a little bit. Or if you want to go to those that do precious gems and polish them all up, yeah, they put them on the grinding they polish and buff them and then they set them. God's in the business of doing that to each one of us who name the name of Christ, who are truly born again. We're his workmanship. It's ordained that this be so. If you're going to talk about for ordination, let's go on about it in, in, in this area. 
He's foreordained that we are created into his image after salvation. He's moulding and pressing us into that shape he wants us to be. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, we read this. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We were once there, now we've been transformed. We're not darkness, we're light. Let us glow as light bearers bearers of the lord's truth proving in verse 10 what is acceptable to the lord in verse 13 but all, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatever doth make manifest is light have you ever had that happen in your christian life where you're reading or listening to a sermon or reading some books or reading the scriptures and and the, the light came on and you realize i've been doing this all my life and this is wrong i should not be doing this that's the transformation that happens. Little bit by little bit, step by step, inch by inch, we say in the song. And the light shines and we, we understand and then we walk in the light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, in verse 14. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Grow up as a Christian. Yeah. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Just over in Philippians, the next book, in chapter 3, in verse 13. We have written there, <clears throat> Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, uh, seized, be seized, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, what am I doing? I'm reaching to the things that are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's growth, it's change, it's transformation. I'm pressing toward the mark. We've never arrived until we are with the Lord. We're still pressing on, pressing up, pressing toward being like the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> That's what it tells us in these verses. Verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect... Be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. It's a mandatory thing. God has said we must push forward. You know, some people have said, well, you can sit on the fence. For how long? <laughs> I don't know. You're either going forwards or you're going backwards. You know, one say, they say one foot in the world and one in the church. No, you're either in or out. <laughs> and you, holy holy unto the lord from glory to glory the scriptures say press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus it's a, it, a, a water pool that's there and not moving it becomes stagnant and christians we can stag stagnatize is that a word you you can become stinking in the world and you can't be drunk of because you've got nothing in there nothing's going forward Move forward, press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Notice back in chapter 2 of Philippians and verse 12 to 13, and as I was looking all these verses up or thinking of many, many verses come to mind, there is movement, there is change for the better. <laughs> in verse 12, wherefore, my beloved brethren, 
as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you can work to be saved. That doesn't mean that I have to do all these good works to be accepted of God. This is once you are saved, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? It's you're saved and now you're working on your salvation. It speaks of growth. For it's God that works in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. He's making you what he wants you to be. In verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless <clears throat> children of God without rebuke. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. <laughs> so true. And the next book tells us of it as well in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verse 5. He said, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. <coughs> For which things the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Mortify these things. Kill them. That's what mortify means. <laughs> Put them to death. And in verse 8, Put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications. It means you're going to change. And as Romans 12, 2, where we started from, says, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way you think is the way you eventually will behave. And as Christians, we put off these things in our head first, in the what we think of, to have pure, clean thoughts, as Philippians tells us too. In verse 9, put off the old man. Verse 10, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Verse 14, what does it say? Put on <coughs> charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. So here it's told to us that we are growing, we are changing into his image, mortifying, putting off and putting on. And First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. First Thessalonians 3 verse 10. We read there. <clears throat> Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Perfecting. Making it better. Have you ever done a job of some sort and you finish it and you say, no, not good enough. I need to do it again. Huh. I need to cut it a bit finer. And uh, <clears throat> working on a like a, a lathe, you, you're working in in um, well in my day thousands of inches, one thousandth of an inch. How much is that? Well, there's a bit of metal comes off again <laughs> and again. And then if you if you don't like it that, then get it on the grinder and do the the grinding. It. Where's Matthew? He's grinning. <laughs> He's probably got all those machines. Have you? few of them, they can cut and grind and, and get it just, what, what, perfecting, getting it just dead right. So it's a smooth, neat fit. Remember my dad was fixing up the engine on a Mack truck once. They had it all apart. And uh, the things were so smoothly fitted, so finished and perfect, that they were a little hard to put on. So they put the internal parts of the bearings in, in oil and then they heated the oil up to expand them a bit so they just fall on and then tighten up when they cool down and in the meantime they went to have a cup of tea and they had the oil with the bearings in it uh, warming up 
but of course the oil boiled and the bearings went blue <laughs> and ruined them all. <laughs> but you see, they were such a neat fit that they wouldn't go on. The Lord wants us to be neat fitted, <laughs> metamorphous, changed into his image, transformed to be like the Lord. Is, is the Lord perfect? How perfect? There's a word that used to be running around in society all the time. Absolute. <laughs> Absolutely. His absolute perfection. You know, that's what he's pressing toward, getting us to be like. And it takes a lifetime and on into eternity. I know, yes, we'll have our new body and be like him, but won't we still be learning when we get there? There's so much more to know about God. So much more to become like him. And praise God, you're still alive and he's not finished with you yet. <laughs> That's why you're still alive. He's still transforming you and me into his image. Let him do it. Don't resist. The problems of life are for the purpose of transformation. To make us think like him, act like him, behave like him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you got each one here today on on your anvil and making us into your image let us yield let us put off and put on let us mortify the flesh and let us please you in all that we do that we might be a testimony and a lighthouse to those in our house and those in our family and those in our community that they might seek to be saved as well we ask and pray your blessing on us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.